0: what is up everyone we're back live sunday night here all the way up in dunbar coming from you from dunbar but yeah we're back (laughs) for the live show we've got aaron fuel ran into some technical difficulties so a little bit late but uh man i'm still trying to figure this uh this whole thing out but we'll uh we'll line it out next week i kind of got to the ball a little late but working on it working on it but how's aaron
1: Doing good. Doing good. It's a cold day down here in, in South Georgia today for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it feels like I'm back home. Back home in West Virginia. No snow though, so that's a good Yeah,
0: that's well, that's always a positive. Um I don't think yeah. I w I don't think I can really I'd be really complaining down in Georgia. Man, It's way warmer down there than it is, you know, up here, but uh yeah. It's uh it it was actually pretty nice today. I think it got up to like fifty five, so it wasn't terrible, but um it was pretty good.
1: Yeah, the springtime itch is already here. I, I think anywhere you're at, you're ready to get out there and, and for the bass to be spawning and everything. Good oh, absolutely, after. absolutely. So
0: um, let me pull up some comments here. All right, yeah, but uh, yeah, for sure, it's it's. Uh, I'm ready for springtime. It's it's been uh, it's kind of well overdue now, but uh, yeah, I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of the snow. Last I went and got washed my truck up too today, so. Hopefully we got a, we got a good week of like doesn't look like it's gonna snow any so I got a good week keep the salt off of it but fingers crossed. That's no cool. Boy. You just got back from <laughs> Florida, didn't <laughs> Yeah. So I just got back from Florida uh, um, two weeks ago, I think. Now, yeah, two weeks ago. So, um, yeah, I would I would much rather be down there than uh, up here. But man, <laughs> tell me <laughs> tell me about uh, who Aaron is and kind of what you do, because we got some interesting stuff to talk about tonight, for sure. And
1: uh, Yeah, so I grew up, you know, in uh, Winfield, West Virginia, locally, and, uh, you know, all through middle school and high school, I was ate up with bass fishing. I absolutely loved it. You know, a lot of the Jackson County 9.9 lakes are the lakes that I spent most of my time on, and also Upper Mud River Reservoir, spent a lot of time there fishing. And, uh, you know, I want to to pursue fisheries in, in college and school somehow. So I ended up going to University of South Carolina and uh, I majored in marine science there. So I did more saltwater um, work than fresh, but I was on the bass fishing team there and helped to run it. And uh, it was very successful when I was there. And I really enjoyed doing the college tournaments and kind of being in that scene for a while and then uh once i graduated there you know i wanted to continue on to grad school and i really wanted to do uh, a research project with sport fish and you know largemouth bass for sure if i could make that happen so um i got an opportunity to go to auburn and uh, work in kind of a bass genetics lab there and uh did my master's research on basically F1 hybrid and Florida bass, uh, growth kind of as early, early adults. And, um, that's where, you know, nowadays, especially in the tri-state area and stuff, I see back home, a lot of people talking about stocking F1s and that's a big debate now. And, uh, oh, yeah, you know, that really interests me yeah. because, because the, the lab I, I worked in in Auburn, you know, we did a lot of genetics testing for agencies across the Southeast and, um, you know, I've I've kind of seen how F ones have worked in the South and uh, in other areas close by the West Virginia, and, and I kind of you know I feel like I, I'm I'm in touch with that more than more than some people, and also, um, you know, the Alabama bass discussion as well as it's spreading the Virginia and other potential places that are closer to West Virginia. Um, we we do well, yeah, a lot of work I, with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I guess so – I kind of want to. Cause some people might not even know what an F1 is I mean some people are, you know might may not have no idea so what exactly um, to refer back what what exactly is an f1
1: bass uh, so, so an f1 essentially I guess you should just start with you know a largemouth bass so mm. largemouth bass as you know it there's basically two true genetic strains and basically going to become, species soon and and that's a northern largemouth bass and a florida largemouth bass so um, all all bass that are native to west virginia and you know most of the the tri-state area are are your northern largemouth bass and then um you know florida largemouth bass were always believed to be native you know to peninsula and and deeper southeast and and even more recently um you know Florida genetics have been found in, you know, coastal South Carolina and North Carolina and uh some other states like that, which has kind of brought up the discussion what what truly is the the barrier of where uh Florida bass you know originated or exist. But um an F1 hybrid is just a first generation cross between um a pure fish from each of those species. So, A pure northern largemouth bass crossed with a pure Florida bass. And and typically if you're buying fish from a hatchery, it's probably gonna be a a female Florida bass crossed with a male northern bass. Right. That's the typical cross.
0: Huh. Okay. Sweet. So I guess uh to kinda um kind of keep the F one, I guess, um so what? Where, where? What? all experience do you kind of have with F ones? I know you work you you're you know, your hatchery biologist down at down in Georgia, but what exactly do you do with F ones? And kind of like explain to explain to us like what uh you know what you do with them? How how you guys use the F ones and where you put them and how how, how the whole process works? Yeah,
1: you know, where I'm where I'm at now, you know. Um, like I said, once I left Auburn, I, I started working for private bass hatchery down here we're still really interested in genetics and kind of genetics research but we still produce you know pure pure northerns pure floridas and then we create our own f1 hybrid cross as well and uh, we sell all of those you know to everyone and really i mean there's there's no specific um, reason to to use a certain one you know it's tailored to a certain individual it's mainly the location you're located at you know if you're if you're someone in the far north, um, you know, pure northerns are obviously the fish you're going to want to have because they're just going to perform better in that environment. Yeah. If you're somebody in one of these mid latitudes or potentially the southeast, you know, F1s could perform well. Or if you're somebody, you know, deep south, you might want to stick with Florida's. But um, the the biggest thing I've seen, especially when I was at Auburn, um, my my research there. We had basically some hatchery ponds that were controlled ponds. So we had them drained. We refilled them. You know, we stocked in the same forage base, had fathead minnows and bluegills. And then in those ponds, we would tag and mix um, a certain number of F1 hybrids and a certain number of pure Florida's. And kind of grow them out. And you try to control as many conditions as you can. So the only thing that's changing is the growth rates between the fish. And, uh, you know, in those ponds over, you know, about a six-month period, you could really see that the F1s did outperform the Floridas, which that was in Auburn, Alabama. And and the main thing overall, I feel like, with F1s is um, they – You know because they are a mix between a pure northern and a pure florida they kind of exhibit characteristics of both and you kind of see a hybrid vigor is what a lot of people say and you see that in other hybrids and other species too is that um you know they they're exhibiting qualities of growth that are better than each of the other species that make it and you know they they seem to be a little more aggressive than a pure florida and they seem you know to, and that's from the northern side of traits, because northerns are typically a little bit more of an aggressive fish, and floridas are more docile. But um, they still seem to have a little bit larger top-end size that is more characteristic of bigger Florida mm-hmm. bass you see in the southeast compared to northerns. Yeah, so...
0: so you said uh you said there a minute ago you guys so you work at the Red Hill I guess Red Hill right Fishery Red Red Hill yeah it's called Red, Red Hill's, Hills Fishery yeah. so you guys actually sell um you guys actually breed the breed those F ones and you actually sell them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. wow now who do, yep. now who exactly do you guys sell to is there like a
1: it's mainly um you know we. Private pond agencies, you know, um, lake management companies—that's who you know we're kind of working with. But uh, if, you, if you're a private individual, and contact us too, you know. We wow, so can, so we you guys, up, so you guys
0: probably about. sell. I mean, do you guys sell to like any like like the DNR, like any type of DNR, like agencies where they you know where they actually take your fish and put them in you know public lakes?
1: Not really, and and really a lot of state agencies will produce their own fish. Okay. You know, and, typically bass and, and catfish and that's that's typically how it is I know some will you know maybe have outside contracts or things like that but uh, you know right now we're, we're still kind of focusing on um, you know private companies and things huh. like that. well, that's, that's pretty neat pretty neat um
0: yeah I know I, I never realized how much like uh, how much all that how much went into all that you know what I mean like um yeah. We'll see we got comments. We'll see, we got some, yeah. comments. We'll it's, we got some comments. It's a big process
1: and it's a lot more <laughs> Yeah,
0: for sure, for sure. We got some comments rolling through. Jerry Spradley said, What's up, Aaron? Uh <laughs> Keith Mullins, what's up, man? What's up, Heath? He, he's in here. We've got Mom Valley Bass Junior Bassmaster, what's up? Dustin and Bo over there. They had a show up in uh Flatwoods this weekend and uh greg tony greg tony always man always the first man in the comments always <laughs> always the first one hits us up so what's up greg but uh yeah um man i tell you what there is a lot about you know f1s that i even i don't know so um and where where do you i know you live down there in, in florida um you know georgia or not florida but you know towards florida um in georgia man where are some places where you've you know kind of got the fish for those f ones down there? where are some places that you know they stock them at down down you know down your way?
1: Uh, a lot of a lot of places where I'm at you know are are still probably stocking uh, pure Floridas because i'm still I'm still far enough south, but yeah, uh, I think you know, some of the some of georgia d n r they might do a little f one stocking stuff but a lot of people that are bigger into it now it seems to be like more like North Carolina and Virginia. And like Smith Mountain Lake, I know that y'all, yeah, y'all they got a ton of them in there. there. A lot of those places are where I think um, you know you really see them shine, and you can kind of see them potentially outcompete your native northern largemouth bass that were originally in that lake, and and that's what I think is is kind of interesting is um, you know what's the boundary of where they can be stocked and them still succeed and, you know, show that great growth. And another example is, you know, Chickamauga on Tennessee. Um, You know, originally F1s weren't stocked into Chickamauga, but Chickamauga was primarily a northern largemouth bass lake genetically, and they stocked in a lot of Florida bass. And then the Florida bass spawned with the native fish and created Mm -hmm. their own that of f1s and oh yeah most so, kinda,
0: them, so they kind of like so they kind of made them there
1: pretty much and so yeah. most of those fish um you know that were huge and uh, you know everybody was seeing pictures of the ones that were genetically tested the majority of them were f1s are pretty close to it genetically wow so
0: now is there like a quick way you can not nah, probably not but you there might be is there like a quick way you can tell between you know like a like a northern largemouth a southern largemouth and then like the f1 is like there's a way you can tell the difference
1: so like
0: just from like, my
1: experience yeah. I mean the the fish at the hatcheries and stuff I mean we can you can pretty much identify what's a northern and what's a florida but f1s it's it's mixed because some will some will look like one or some will look like the other Right. You know, okay. I think you know, our genetics is mixed. But, you know, in in real life in a lake where a lot of fish, um, you know, potentially their genetics aren't perfect 50 50 or one or the other. Anyways, it gets a lot more cloudy. Um, and yeah, especially when you're talking about like Alabama lakes and some of these big reservoirs, you know, pretty much all of Alabama's lakes are just a big uh pool of you know we call mutt fish genetically you know so they they might be 60 percent northern 40 percent florida or the opposite or somewhere in between and you know a lot of those fish in the lakes have become that way over the years because of different stockings of florida bass in the 90s and, and such and such and um, that's that's kind of changed those lakes and it also makes it So it's harder to affect them now because their genetics are already so, you know, kind of confusing and mixed up what you're adding to it. It's not really affecting the fish that are already there. You know, if if you add F1s or pure Florida's, you're basically kind of banking on those fish you're adding, being the ones that are going to exhibit that increased growth and grow big. And uh, that's another good point about the F1s that's worth talking about is, um, you know, you can't, in my opinion, just stock F1s and, uh, you know, once and expect that to be the cure. And, you know, for forever, you're just going to grow 10 pounders because really um only that fish which is the f1 that you stock is the one that's going to kind of exhibit that um superior growth once they start spawning with each other afterwards you get those same kind of mutt genetics and they get mixed up and you lose that um, kind of growth advantage and stuff that you see now i don't believe the fish necessarily get you know super worse but um, you're not getting that superior. But you're not getting
0: those like giant fish, you know. Like you're not just getting nothing but a bunch of F ones. They're kind of getting exactly. mixed in with a few here and there. Okay. Exactly. So
1: so if you start, you know, like a F one stocking program or in your pond or a small lake or anything like that, you kind of, in my opinion, got to treat it like you're stocking trout somewhere. You know, like if you put 500 bass in there, you know whatever percentage of those individuals survive and grow big, it's the one that's going to grow big, but they're not going to produce individuals that are going to grow that big. So therefore you've got to replace them by continuing to stock them, you know, in years thereafter and uh, continue to manage the lakes population too. So it's balanced and you you don't have too many fish in there. I got you. I got you. So
0: yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I I would, uh, yeah, I mean, i don't know about uh i don't know <laughs> see i do you know way too much about this stuff i don't even know what the question you want man it's uh i, th- I tell i you well i got i've got some and uh we'll kind of let the crowd jump in on this too man if y'all got some questions for aaron he knows he knows all too well about this but uh man what do you think about some so what what's the potential if you put f1s in west virginia how would i mean how do you, you think they would fare here do you think they fare, fare well here
1: so that's, you know, my gut feeling is that it would work, you know, and it would be good. And, you know, I think you need to look at it, like I said, on um, several scales. So first off, you know, I think the the state needs to kind of do a genetic summary and see what they have everywhere. You know, right. See if Florida genetics are already present or not. And if they are, then you don't have to worry about the stocking and introducing those genetics. But if they aren't, you know, then you need to consider, well, you know, what's going to happen if I do introduce these genetics into this certain lake or river? And, you know, just like all fish, if you if you stock one, uh, you know, into one lake, it's probably going to wind up below and above the lake and what other watersheds, you know, connect. Right. It. Yeah, so that's. That's a concern you know if if you don't want the genetics spreading now, you know the biggest thing with that is you know if there are no Florida genetics in West Virginia at all and you introduce them, you're never getting what you have before back you know you're you're right changing you're losing your pure northern genetics forever, pretty much because it's just about impossible to to get that yeah, back. yeah
0: the to weed them all back out, yes yeah, so, I mean I, I mean. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it would be a terrible thing here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. But, in, and the other thing is, though, you know, and that's what a lot of northern states, especially borderlands, think about, too, is, well, you know, if everybody stocks Florida bass everywhere, then eventually one day you're going to lose your pure genetic northern line anyways, right, yeah, Then you won't right. be able to make F1s or yeah, something right.
0: down the line. Yeah. Yeah. Also so, true. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. That's why...
1: That's why, which I know there's a lot of other northern states, Northwest Virginia and stuff, you know, that would have pure fish. But that that's the main concern for state agencies and things like that is, you know, if we introduce these genetics and. Yeah, you're pretty much not, maybe you're it, not getting them back out. You're not getting back out. And maybe it makes the fish um, less hardy to winter conditions, you know, and maybe the bass fishing gets worse because of it. You know, yeah, then what do you mean? So, also
0: true, man. So. Yeah, dude, I never thought of it. Really, I never thought of it that way either. Yeah, I guess it could make it worse, you know, because
1: you don't know if the Floridas would make it through the winter. So, yeah, and and that's the thing. Pure Floridas in West Virginia would not not work good. I mean, some of them might survive, but a pure northern will still outgrow it and outperform it. But, um, you know, I still – I've seen – there's been enough studies in nearby states, in my opinion, with, like, Virginia – other places i feel like f1s would be good in west virginia and like i said first... well, i definitely
0: well i definitely think that you know with them being in smith mountain they for sure i mean i would have to think yeah. some of them you know some of the lakes here could you know could i think they would be fine really but
1: that's why and I, I think it would be awesome to try you know in some of these smaller 9 9 lakes and stuff like that that you can kind of manage intensely i think i think that would be kind of a cool experiment you know, Lake the you one. Know, so yeah, I would.
0: I would be interested to see yeah. something like that for sure. But you know, um, not in control of that by any means. But <laughs> yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but it's cool yeah. to think about. <laughs> yeah. Oh man,
1: but yeah. Um, like you said, I don't. You know, it's. I don't think West Virginia would turn into Lake chickamauga You know, if you no. stock them, but. But I think you would produce a lot more five to eight pound large class fish i think uh, you you would have more of them showing up for sure especially in some of these smaller lakes that have you know good forage base or balanced well in good conditions you know they'll.
0: yeah i i I, I agree i just um yeah obviously we have no chickamauga here and you had to do this on a much much smaller scale than you would at you know on on a giant lake like that yeah yeah, it'd be interesting to see for sure um Man, I don't know i don't even know where I'd want to throw them in i i don't i think i mean I could take it you man I would like to see some beach for you that'd be interesting but i don't know that'd be interesting well man tell me about um so what do what um so what what do you fish when you do you come back here very often at all
1: uh I have not this past year i really I, I came back for christmas and that was about it yeah, <laughs> <But> back, <laughs> back... that's probably yeah. enough really <laughs> yeah i i like coming back i used to come back in the summer and spring a lot you know when, when i was in college and got more time off but um it's uh it's been busy down here the past year so I've, i haven't got a ton of free time that's that's the thing with running yeah. a, you know, helping run a fish hatchery um you know you, you forget that uh it's just like having a bunch of pets you know they gotta yeah, I mean... get can't leave them Food every day you got to clean up after them so no matter what somebody's got to be there watching them no matter yeah, if it's christmas or not so. well
0: that's, a, that's another
1: good point so what do you
0: feed what do you feed the f1s you know that you're raising up is there like a well, some type of like pellet you feed them
1: yes yeah, so, and it's it's pretty much you know any any bass and uh even hatcheries you know that raise striped bass things like that you Typically, try to feed train your fish to a pellet um, because it's yeah. just more cost efficient, and affordable. Um, because if if you're trying to feed them live feed, you know constantly, that gets a very expensive. Yeah, fast. you don't do that. And, uh, there's some, you know, brood fish that you have to do that with, you know, just because maybe you know they're too big they don't want to eat pellets anymore or they were caught from the wild or something like that but all the fish that you know we hatch and most other hatchers produce will try to get them feed trained and i mean you basically just start you know from feeding them a super tiny pellet you know like a, a millimeter size pellet and you can as they grow you can start feeding them bigger and bigger pellets till it's till it's almost like dog food yeah but, um, how entertaining is it to watch
0: them eat them pellets <laughs>
1: It's, it's pretty entertaining. It is at first, but then, like I said, once you do it, you know, every single day, it's just – Yeah, interested. you're probably like, eh, you know, watching them blow up or whatever. <laughs> then, then you start paying attention to, you know, if they're not eating them good or something, because then you know something's wrong. You know, somebody's right, up, yeah. they're not feeling good or something's up, so you can, you can kind of learn their uh, – their moods sometimes then it's also interesting i mean you can you can see uh weathered stuff sometimes it seems to affect them with you know it's a cold yeah. front or storms coming some days they'll eat better some days they won't really so like yeah. if you got
0: like a like a major cold front down there and you throw the pellets in some of them will be like heck no nah, we ain't doing that today
1: they seem to slow down wow know, that's something. that is neat
0: that's neat that's probably neat then but they're probably so used to you know they're probably so used to just getting fed pellets all the time that I wouldn't think that it you know it would it would matter whether it's cold front or not but I guess so.
1: Yeah, and it's I like mean, and
0: bass. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and I mean a lot of the water they're in you know is, it stays the same. It's not like we have you know yeah. fish in a pond all the time. So, um, but it, it makes you really think like out when you're fishing you know, at a lake and that stuff's going on like huh maybe the this is how they're reacting to the the temperature changes and everything
0: neat that's neat um so man what what so what do you what do you guys keep them in down there so is there like you guys have like uh i see like those little like real long like tub type deals y'all keep them in that you keep them indoors like what do you what exactly do you do down there
1: we got a lot of fish indoors in tanks um Uh you know that we hold in tanks pretty much their whole life you know just like I said, you feed train them and just grow them up in tanks and uh, and sell them. And then, you know, we've got some some more big concrete, we call them like raceways, but they're just kind of like super long, big tanks um, that we keep brood fish in. But um, mo- most of our fish are inside, you know, all the time. And then we got ponds we used to in, in the spawning process um, Neat. that It will grow out fry in. And, and you know general kind of largemouth bass spawning process. You know a lot of most hatcheries will uh, you know get bass to lay lay their eggs on mats, and then yeah from from those mats you'll hatch your your eggs out in your fry, and then a lot of people will um, stock fry into ponds for a little while and and grow the fish up just off of plankton naturally in the pond until they're about an inch or two long, and then um you know you can either leave fish in the ponds and stock in forage and things and just keep letting them grow in the ponds or if you're going to try to feed train them you know you, you try to bring them back inside and put them in tanks and right and start trying to eat pellets and things like
0: huh. that. well interesting well we got a couple questions rolling through here and we'll just bring up one here uh Jeremy and Bethany Waybright said, so how would the F1s do in colder water? Well, I, I would have to imagine it's probably somewhat similar to uh, cold fronts when you get down towards lakes with with them in, I, I'd assume.
1: Yeah, like I said, probably, you know, the coldest waters they've been stocked in or around are, you know, some of these uh, Virginia, uh, North Carolina lakes, you know, Smith Mountain and stuff like that. And, yeah. Um, it seems like they do, they do
0: fine, so... They,
1: you know, the they've had positive, you know, results on stockings in a lot of those lakes. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, off the top of my head, of anywhere they've been stocked where lakes freeze over or anything like that. You know, I don't, I don't, so I don't know how they do no. with that, but um, I, f- I think they would make it and survive. But you know, that growth is just going to be suppressed. Throughout that part of the year, because it's so cold. And, and that's yeah. kind of the biggest thing of why fish are so much bigger in the south than the north is the growing season so much longer down here. You know, they can also true, yeah, they, man. They can continue to grow nine months out of the year, whereas they can only grow, you know, four or five up north. Up here,
0: so. yeah. Yeah, we, we get, get it, probably, you know, we only get like, I mean, we get probably, we probably get four or five months where it's pretty. You Know it's pretty nice, na- it can be pretty nasty here for sure. Oh, yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: Um, Dustin Holland, Mom Valley Junior Bass Manager said, What size would be recommended for stocking to do well? And then he asked, Uh, and what would it cost?
1: What could it cost? Well, that's I to give you a, a ballpark number because it really just depends, you know, on, on size and numbers and, and things like that, but um. Generally, you know, the cheapest fish to stock are going to be, you know, one to two inch fish. And, yeah. You know, I don't know. General hatcheries, you know, between, I don't know, one to two dollars or something, or a little bit more is probably what they're going to charge you. Um, you know, um, but a thing that is, uh, you know, better and probably going to increase your survival is if you can stock in a little bit bigger fish, maybe like three to four inches especially during the spring because then they've got a head start on the native fish that have already spawned and they're bigger than those fry so yeah they're they're, they're kind of going to out compete the year that year class of natural spawning and and help uh help it keep going so you know but that's the bigger the fish you get the more expensive it gets just with any oh, anything, oh yeah you know,
0: absolutely <laughs>
1: That's why a lot of people, you know, try to stock one to two inch ones, the smallest yeah. fish you can get. Yeah,
0: for sure. What is uh, what but, is a three, what's a three or four inch one cost? So what, like, how does the price work on them?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm not the pricing. Guy, you're not you the price. You're but, not
0: the price man.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't like talking prices. But, um, <laughs> it, and you know, it, like I said, it depends on. And every every hatchery is different, you know, and you know depends on, like you said, if you're getting what pure fish you're getting, Florida, Florida's or Northerns or or the F ones, and then I mean, some people want them tagged, um, you know, yeah, for tags and things like that. But um, really, with anything, you know, no matter what size you're stocking, if the lake already has. Fish established in it. There's some that are going to get eaten, no matter no matter what. Oh, know? for sure. But but obviously, if if they're a little bit larger, it helps their chance. But um, if you're starting a pond from scratch or something like that, you know, then uh, you can kind of plan on your numbers being a little bit better on survival. Yeah. For sure.
0: What um. I know we, we kinda we, we touched on that when we when we started, but man, tell me about what you think about those Alabama spotted bass. And I know we've I know we've seen some news there. I don't know if it was last it was sometime last it might have been last winter, maybe. Or maybe earlier this spring maybe. That they they, mm-hmm. they found some like uh, up in Claytor Lake, which is, you know, the mouth or you know, the beginning of the New River but uh, okay. tell me tell me about the tell me about those alabama spotted bass and kind of what they uh, they do
1: yeah so um you know a, a lot of people you know just generally call you know Al- alabama bass spotted bass which i mean that's mm-hmm. i do too just to, so people understand you know But but in the southeast you know that's fine because a lot of these lakes you think of uh, like the coosa coosa river chain in alabama you know they're they're the ones that have big spotted bass but what people call a spotted bass from those lakes um is not what a uh, spotted bass is in west virginia right know, in kentucky that's a that's a different species of bass and that's a you know a northern kentucky spotted bass and the Bass in Alabama and the Coosa River chain is what people, you know, call spotted bass down there is in Alabama. Right, yeah. And they're totally, so, two
0: different, totally different things.
1: Yeah. And just in Alabama itself, you know, there's some concerns with it because... Um, they've kind of spread to other smaller streams and creeks and they're hybridizing with um, red eye bass in a lot of those. So oh, really? a lot of these little streams have red eye bass that uh, a guy I worked with at Auburn, he's, this is what most of his research is on. It's kind of the hybridization of them with red eye bass, but um, the red eye bass of each individual stream can almost be broken into, you know, their own species of fish. Um so, um, when these Alabama bass are getting in there and hybridizing with them, you know, just like I was talking earlier with deaf ones and stuff, you're eventually losing that pure genetic line of fish. And essentially you'll lose that species as a pure fish Yeah. if they keep getting in there and hybridizing and causing problems. So that's the main concern in Alabama with them is just, um, you know, them getting into places they're not supposed to be. And a lot of that is from them, you know, being put in lakes and, and getting downstream and other areas that they, they didn't originally belong to. But since then, you know, they've been stalked around and moved around, you know, in the past, even before people really realized that they were different, um, you know, in the, in the different areas. And even California, you know, everybody sees the big monster yeah. spot caught out there 99 percent of the time those fish are alabama bass yeah. you know they're, they're not a kentucky spotted bass no
0: we <laughs> wouldn't say uh, so
1: no but um you know and that's really what is in north carolina that people consider spotted bass like lake yeah, like
0: norman yeah
1: so yeah you, you think of lake norman you know and what's happened with it was what i would kind of expect to happen in West Virginia in a sense. I don't think it would be good. So, you know, they, which, you know, Lorman's its own special case study because as a lake, you know, it's went from over the years as lakes get older in age, they kind of change from being eutrophic, which is you think of as like fertile, a lot of grass, you know, kind of a green lake Mm -hmm. um, to more oligotrophic, which means just, Deep and clear, you know, not as not as fertile, and um, that's what spotted bass prefer more than largemouth, anyways. So that kind of gives them a habitat advantage over largemouth in a lake right. as it get, as it ages. So that's you know one issue with them getting in a place like that, and you know since that's more of their suitable habitat, they slowly just start kind of outcompeting your largemouth um, right in a lake. So then, you've kind of got Lake Normal where it is now, where you've got a bunch of little spotted bass, Alabama bass, you know, that have outcompeted all the largemouth, and now you really don't have a good population. Yeah, you don't.
0: You've lost a lot of largemouth.
1: And in a lake, you know, that big where that big of a change has happened, you know, it's you get to where it's about impossible to, to you know, turn that around because the the yeah, Alabama bass is sure. just took over so right
0: well yeah man, you know, I, not, i'm going to uh i'm actually going down there next month and i'm actually kind of curious you know kind of curious to see what that's all about because man, i know i know it's not like uh i know a lot of those guys you know they bank on you know on you know you fill out a limit with spots or whatever you know you have you know call it to a decent limit and then you go try to either find a large mouth or whatever that seems like to be the challenge but i'm, I'm kind of uh i'm kind of curious to see what that's all about Cause I've never got to, I've never got to really play with those. I never got really, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I've probably caught a few not known, but I don't think I've ever like, just like went and fished for Alabama spots.
1: Yeah. I mean, Norman is a place, I mean, in a couple of times I've fished it, you know, they're easy to catch typically, you know, at least small ones. I mean, you can catch a bunch of two pounders until you're tired of them, but it's very difficult to catch any larger than that there or good largemouth, which right. for me is kind of frustrating, but I'm more of a big bass guy anyways. You know, <laughs> I, I would rather big largemouth than anything.
0: But well, yeah, I, some I, people I prefer
1: catching spots. But, I mean, if you go to Alabama, you know, to Lake Jordan or Mitchell and some of those on the Coosa River chain, you know, you will catch big Alabama bass there. I mean, yeah. they have five and six pounders caught pretty routinely you know people will weigh in a 20 pound bag of alabama oh, bass. Sure. there now those are fun to catch but um when they're outside of their native environment and range you know at least on the east coast it's been seen that um they you know, they're not, to that
0: same size and they, that's it
1: they're, they're yeah they're not performing for well and i and i think the scary thing with west virginia is kind of like what we've seen in some of those alabama streams you know if they start hybridizing with Smallmouth um, in like the new or something like that. If that would happen, you know, yeah, I just think that that would be a mess. You know, you're going to be losing your your great smallmouth fishery of, of pure fish, and Absolutely. it cause a lot of issues. And um, you know, even if they're put into the lakes and stuff in West Virginia, I feel like all you're ever going to get is eventually like a, a Norman scenario where they just outcompete the largemouth. And then you just got a bunch of little Alabama bass and uh, little as a result. So it kind of, in my opinion, they kind of tank, you know, any, any fishery they put in. Now people argue, people say, well, you know, why is there 10 pounders in California? You know, why, if there's 10 pounders in California, why can't there be 10 pounders there? Well, but Uh, California (laughs) is its own little perfect scenario. So, and that's, and that's even for, you know, largemouth that get giant out there i mean California's perfect temperature habitat yeah, it's calm weather you know and they've got yeah, perfect feed with trout and everything else they can need out there so that's it's optimal environment and a lot of people don't realize at least for bass you know you don't want it too hot for them you don't want it too cold there's not a lot of 10 pounders caught out of miami florida but no. there's not a lot caught out of you know the very top of the U.S., you want somewhere that it's hot and the growing season's long, but you don't want it so it's so hot that the fish are stressed or they're metabolically just having to eat constantly because it is so hot. And because a lot of fish like that, they might grow quick, but they won't live long enough to reach trophy sizes and that's where california right, that's, that's
0: why you see all those big ones come out of california you know same you know same with you know some lakes we have over here on the east coast too
1: mm-hmm. it's not too hot that they're stressed all the time or they're living such a stressful life that they don't make it long enough to get you know monster right but it's not too cold that they're you know they can't get big enough it's a perfect medium ground kind of have
0: you have you got to see that as you know messing with fish this long has has stress like have you got to see where stress is kind of like, you know, tampered with their, you know, life, you know, their lifetime or, you know, their life expectancy?
1: Mm, not really. I mean, I haven't, most of the, you know, my stuff at all and everything was kind of short scale study and, and, you know, a lot of fish here, we don't, we don't hold for a long time, at least since I've been here. But, um, uh, you can, you can definitely see, you know, it, just being a fish being stressed will increase its you know, susceptibility to getting sick, you know, and, right. and obviously uh, dying from that. And, and that's, a, that's the biggest thing. But, um, you know, just in general, there are some studies out there, you know, that kind of can uh, show like thermal preferences for bass and things like that. Huh. But, um, um, the, more, man,
0: well, man, the more
1: stressed we kinda- they are, you know, the
0: yeah. Well, man, I know um, when you were at Auburn, um, you got to do kind of a cool um, study on some fish from the classic, right? Am I correct? Am I correct on that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I, dude, that's one of the, I think me and you may have, I've talked to you maybe about that before. Man, I want to know what exactly did you do with the fish from the classic or what, you know, what happened that you got to study, you got to study that?
1: It's not it's not as exciting as, as it sounds, but yeah, um, we you know, all the fish you know just like a lot of tournaments, the the state agencies will, will hold a lot of the fish after the weigh-ins, especially the ones that are you know um, on stage, kind of big publicized, and they'll take them back and hold them at a hatchery for you know a day or two, and then eventually take them back to the lake and disperse right. them out. So they were being held at a hatchery um i went over there and uh, i got fin clips from all the fish so it's basically the the two ways that a lot of genetic testing is done with fish right now especially bass is either you take a fin clip or you can swab their mouth kind of the same as you would swab your own mouth for yeah okay. minutes, like that. but um i mean you the fin clip is you know people some people think oh you're hacking off their whole dorsal fin or something it's not like that at all i mean it's um we usually cut off a little piece. that's probably like half the size of a dime, you know, and that's really all you need to get their genetics. So we, we took all their fin clips off that and um, took them back to our lab and ran them. And uh, we, I think we, we gave it back to the state. We didn't do a whole, a whole lot else with it, but a lot of those fish, you know, that was from the uh, Gunnersville um, classic and, Gunnersville like as a whole is kind of a big mutt lake, anyways. There's uh, you're probably not going to catch a pure fish of Florida or Northern out of that lake. They're all, yeah, you know, a mix. And I generally it's more of like a, a 60 40 um, Northern Florida split. I mean, yeah. Over the I'm years. Miss-
0: yeah. Well, oh, man, that, I mean, yeah. well, it might not like, seem cool to you, but dude, I just think pulling a fish from the classic stage is pretty neat myself, you know, having, you know, having yeah. the opportunity to do that is pretty neat. So, yeah, that is neat. Um, let me read a comment here. Someone said, he said, How tempting is it to take a rod and a popper to work?
1: <laughs> sometimes you have to, sometimes you get to. Really? <laughs> you catch them at, at yeah. work, really. Yeah. We've, uh, we got, We got some little extra ponds and stuff around there with with some fish in. Yeah, Yeah.
0: sweet. So, do you ever get tired of like catching them on the top water? You are like, you you just see it all the time. You're like, ah, you know, whatever.
1: (laughs) I never do. I mean, you know, you talk to older guys that that work in this you know industry and stuff, and and some of them like I don't even want to go bass fishing anymore. I'm so sick of them. (laughs) Yeah. I've only been in it here. I mean, I've been working for this hatchery about a year, and then you know went through grad school. So I, I'm still really young, but I still don't get get tired of it. You know, I yeah, still just want to get bass fishing on the weekends. That's just my thing. But me, me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> uh,
0: Jeremy and Bethany Waybright said, "How big are your brood bass?"
1: Um, I'd say you know our biggest Floridas are probably eight or nine pounds we got a few like that and then really uh, northerns we got some probably four or five pounds Mm -hmm. wow
0: Um, well dude i know they do it in um i know they do like the uh you know the share lunker down in texas now have you all ever like tried to do something like that where you brought in like a you know a giant bass and then bred it with another giant bass like you know kept them separate
1: so we we're you know really into looking at genetics and kind of Trying to pick out which specific fish we should spawn together to try to produce a trophy, you know. And yeah. Said Texas's share lunker strategy. Theirs was more of, let's take you know the biggest female we can get with a large male that you know genetically matches up pretty well and try to make it happen as well. So, um, which you know I think they've had some success with for sure. Yeah, for but, sure, dude. They've grown yeah. some giants they've grown some giants, but, um, you know, what, what we want to do too, I think is kind of look past the, just spawning big fish together, you know, and expecting big fish to come from it because, you know, even in people, uh, you know, you know, that there's, um, everybody's got a friend that has two tall parents and they turn out, you know, short or vice versa. Yeah. (laughs) Why Why do you turn out taller than your parents? I mean, there's something genetically there that just because someone's short or someone's tall, you know, their kids aren't like that. So, uh, and genetics is constantly advancing in everywhere and especially in, in fish right now. So it's letting a lot of people kind of look in deeper and answer, answer more questions. And a lot, a lot of genetics work has been done on salmon and um, trout and kind of, food fish industries especially on the west coast you know there's been a lot of research on that and kind of how can how can we spawn and create the bigger salmon you know the cell yeah right but um kind of using that technology for bass is is kind of a newer a newer thought and um you know a newer idea but um we're we're putting a spin on it for sure (laughs) neat that's neat that's neat Oh, man, um, let me
0: look back through here. And uh, Bill Shelton says we need a better food base like some shad. Well, I, I would have to agree some of that, you know. Um, we definitely could use bigger, we definitely could use more you know, more bait in our lakes. I think, I don't know, what do you think is a, is a common uh, is a common problem we have here in West Virginia? I always just say, man, it's just pressure and, you know, the size of our lakes is just, they're not big enough to withstand the pressure we have. But, you know, you hear all, you know, everyone has, you know, a different opinion on why, you know, the fishing here is not as good as it is. But, I mean, what do you think a lot of it is around here that, you know, makes the fishing so tough at times?
1: I, I would say pressure for sure. I mean, yeah. you, you look at the size of lakes. I mean, the, the biggest lake in West Virginia is, what, two, 3,000 acres, you know? Yeah, I 20, mean,
0: 24, I think, Somerville. Yeah, I think. so, I mean, that's
1: – I mean that's like half a creek arm the most of these reservoirs yeah, in the no doubt, so, like, yeah and there there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure you know on lakes that's I wouldn't say it's comparable to some of these in the southeast but you know if you would do it by scale it's it's a lot you know and that makes it tough on on the fish on everybody and um you know there's it makes them a lot smarter, and that affects thing, you know. I and a lot of the, you know, the the nine nine lakes and stuff that I've fished and everything. I mean, and I know some biologists and stuff for West Virginia. And, you know, I really think they they do a great job, and, and you know, they do the the best they can. Got and uh, uh, they do their best. And besides pressure, you know, <clears throat> just um, the weather. Um, and the growing season things like that you know is it affects the bass differently, like I was saying earlier, just in general the the fish in you know West Virginia are more northern, you're not going to be able to get top in size or get there as fast as, as fishing no
0: absolutely not
1: down here, you can grow a two or three pounder in you know a year, you know right. if you' if you've got it in a pod stock now that's that's what. <laughs> Twice as long or or more. Oh yeah, for sure. And and you start looking at those time spans too. You know, it's it's harder for fish to to get that that big at that time. But I think pressure is is a big big key to that for sure. Back home, but a lot of it too. I mean, I think I always think of Canal River a lot. I grew up pretty much beside the Canal river yeah is yeah. at the end of my street that i grew yeah. up there. they built it. it of course right after i left after you so, left yeah. yeah that's how it happened yeah but you know River river's good for smallmouth at times you know but largemouth um i just don't think there's enough spawning um, habitat for them to really be good the habitat's just not there i mean there's some backwaters but there's just so much siltation it's Yeah, dude. just i don't know i mean i fished some backwaters around winfield and there were some resident fish that you could always catch in there and they just lived in there yeah but there's you know i don't know it's just so much so much siltation stuff a lot of that i feel like you know it's just habitat improvement could fix that but i mean that's a huge endeavor to you know oh, dredge yeah. Backwaters and redo stuff. I mean, that's a ton of money and a huge endeavor. But I think to you know improve large mouth in a river like that, that's what it would take. But it's, was, it's yeah,
0: for yeah, especially for the river, man. You'd have you'd have to. And, uh, did you? I mean, you start to see it around the lakes, really. I mean, you know, I've talked to you know multiple people, you know, about you know how the lakes, how much they've sealed it in, you know, over the years. You know, not even you know twenty years ago, how much they they've sealed it in.
1: So, That's true. Especially down your way, you know, Beach Fork's got a beach ton of sealed beach in it. A lot of a places. Of
0: yeah. Eastland, ton of it in there. Um, mm. Yeah, man. I I mean, I don't, you know, there's, I, dude, I can think back of even, you know, four or five years ago when I started, there's places in, on some of the lakes now that the seal actually is over top of, you know, the normal summer pool line.
1: Yeah. So, now, I, I mean, I think.
0: kind of scary, really, you know, because you know yeah you know where it's going to be in
1: five ten years from now yeah so i mean that's i think loss of habitat and things like that is, is a huge huge problem you know in, in certain places in lakes. and lakes and that's a tough one to fix a lot tougher than, than yeah to sure. as lakes age too you know that's that's a hard thing to combat and they'll they'll change and you know usually become less productive and that's just that's just kind of how it goes even in the southeast or anywhere you know the first couple of years that a lake is uh you know created are some of its best because that's oh you know, for the sure the lakes you know the most happening best phytoplankton and all that but um, as they get older they start to decline and some of the reservoirs in west virginia the older ones um, they're getting to that age range where, in my opinion, you know, it starts tapering off a little bit. So it's like, well, how do you, you know, how do you fix that? I don't know. I mean, is I mean, you know, <laughs> habitat stuff maybe F ones? I don't know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well,
0: yeah, dude. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I know it's probably. I mean, it's probably not even. It's probably not even reasonable to even think about trying to dig. You know, trying to dredge some of that, or dredge. You know, dredge them out and try to get some of the silt out I don't yeah. I don't even know what you I don't even know what you do mm-hmm. in that case but oh, man that's wild I mean I can only dude I mean seriously I don't know what will happen to some of the lakes here you know in the next 10-20 years
1: yeah other than um, if you could
0: I mean I don't think like the lower ends of the lakes will yeah. be like I don't think you'll see you know much effect there but dude the upper ends of the lakes man I don't I don't really know what will happen to them
1: yeah yeah. Um, it changes a lot, you know, and it changes, changes the, how they fish too. I think. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I know. Um, I think just
0: yeah, go ahead.
1: Just even the pressure, you know. I, I remember fishing Upper Mud Reservoir, you know, ten years ago, and, and when I every time I come back from college and fish it or something, it seemed like it just get tougher. But <laughs> I know the pressure
0: got yeah, worse. It's, it too. Yeah, it's it's gotten worse. But, I mean, yeah, I, I know guys. Along who, with that, the lake
1: is changing itself too.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know guys who, you know, when the first, when the, you know, when Mud Lake was first built or whatever, you know, just a few years in, you know, they, they tell me, hey, you know, it's nothing to go catch, you know, 23 pounders in a day. Like it was, it was, it was a cakewalk. It was, it was easy to do. And now it's like, I mean, you still, you know, you still go up there and you can go catch fish, but you're not just whacking on them either. I mean, there's days yeah. you, know, you can, but um, it's not like every trip you go out, you're going to catch 20, you know. Uh, you know, most times for me you know, any I mean in the springtime, yeah, you can have twenty fish days. Uh and people you know, people think that twenty fish days are easy to come by, but they're not really. <laughs> <laughs> they're not really that easy. Um I mean in the summertime you can you know, you can if you go for a full day you can go catch five or ten or whatever, whatever the case mm-hmm. might be. But definitely not twenty like it used to be.
1: It's still better than the canal river on the sun. Well,
0: that's for sure, sure, dude. Golly, I don't want to. I don't even want to think of man the canal right now. I drove by a little bit ago and it is it's nasty right now. Really? Yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty. Man, we are uh, we're closing in here on an hour, and uh, I'm gonna get ready to wrap this up. I'm trying to keep these up under an hour, um, just for the sake. But man. Tell me, I know you posted this a long time ago. and I tried to look for it today, but wasn't there didn't you make like a page or maybe an Instagram page or Facebook page, you know, where uh, you were kinda highlighting the stuff you were doing in the fishery?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I just I run the I used to run the South Carolina bass fishing team a little bit. Yeah. Their Instagram page and some of that. I was I was big into that, but um Really, my own stuff, my own fish. You know, I just post on like my my personal Instagram. Okay, well,
0: I didn't know if you had something for. Uh, I didn't know if you had something for the fishery or something where you know
1: you keep. Oh, for our our, for our hatchery. Yeah, yeah, for your we hatchery. just for your hatchery. We did That's just start a we. We just started an Instagram, so we're just starting to kind of get into social media and stuff like that. Yeah, man. We just started um, one. That.
0: Yeah, well, let let I mean, let them know where where to follow it. I yeah. mean, if you want. You know, we want some followers. I'm sure they can come that way and check it out. I kind of want to check. I'm looking for it today because I knew you posted it a few, maybe it was a few months ago or something, maybe. And I was trying to look yeah, for it today and I couldn't yeah. find
1: it. It's just look up the Titan Bass on Instagram. The,
0: the Titan yeah. Bass on Instagram. So y'all heard that the Titan Bass on Instagram. You can check out what's going on at the hatchery. So, well, man, it's been a it's been good. Um, where can the folks uh, follow you at on Instagram?
1: just follow me at the fuel can the fuel can the, the fuel, fuel can, can
0: over on instagram and i'll have him all to, and we had tagged up on the on the doc talk post if you follow the doc talk post on instagram all you do is click on it he'll be right there so man i appreciate the time and uh, it was a good show we got plenty in there if there's anything else you want to tell everyone back here in wv let her rip bun if not we will uh <laughs> we will roll out of here
1: yeah, keep catching big ones, and uh, I can't wait to get back there and, and hit up the old home lakes too. I yeah, miss man. fishing you Holler there at, me whenever, at me whenever.
0: Holler at me when you come back. We'll have to slip out the mud and go see if we can catch a few.
1: I will for sure.
0: Yeah, bud. All right, guys, and thank you, Aaron, and thank yep. you guys for tuning in. And as always, we'll see you guys next time on the water. Later.
1: We'll see ya.